This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. So, Michelle, thank you for coming back tonight. I know you're Honored. recording already. Honored. Yeah. Well, it's an honor to have you back. Um, I had no idea... Um, just how much you were involved in when sure. we spoke last year. But that was our first time speaking, really. Really. Um, which was kind of good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> For a first-time conversation, that wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, would you Would you be okay telling us about, telling us about that? Or yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I'm not gonna lie. I don't remember a, a single thing that I talked about on your last podcast. That's okay. So for me, um, over the past year just getting to know you and getting to know your partner and getting mm-hmm. to know the work that you're doing um, obviously through my husband you know doing this podcast I get to hear these incredible stories about mm-hmm. um, what he comes home with from your podcast yeah. and I don't even get to hear the podcast I just can <laughs> kind of hear it secondhand <laughs> yeah. through him and um, and it really affects him but it also affects me and mm-hmm. um, in a good positive way to remember you know other people's stories and and mm-hmm. what's what's happening in their world and uh Geez, in a year, I feel like a lot has happened even in my life since I've seen you last. I yeah. ran for political office again. Yeah. And uh, how did it go? Yeah. So um, it was really, it wasn't something I was planning at no. all. It was something that happened because um, uh, Dr. David Swan's been one of those people in my life that has always not just mentored me, but has always encouraged me to, you know, use my voice, find my voice, mm-hmm. and speak. And um, and as all of those Alberta Liberals have done over the course of many years, uh, Ken Tare specifically um, was one of those people that always did that as well. Mm-hmm. So like I, I had this really core group of people that really legitimately cared about my political point of view, my standpoint, and also wanting to give me space. Mm-hmm. I really, um, I, I don't want to say felt obligated, but felt empowered by the Alberta Liberals to run. Mm -hmm. But on top of that, it was the situation that was created in my area that I thought, you know, I know politics is all about timing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought maybe there was timing that this would work. And the reason why was because we had um, a lot of controversy, uh, sorry, controversy around how the candidate for the uh, blue side even got elected. Um, I had taken out a membership with the UCP in order to vote for a candidate that I thought would be best and he was our former alderman for our area 
Um, I don't agree with his stance. He actually voted against um, um, a memo for the city to recognize missing and murdered Indigenous women and the inquiry report and to support that. He voted against it and I called him out relentlessly on that because mm -hmm. that was wrong for him to do, being how that issue specifically um, affects our area. But I, th I do know him working with him on 17th Avenue and, and uh, some of the other community groups that even though we obviously very much disagree on certain issues, I at least know, knew he lived in the area, cared about our area, had the contacts and the and networking within our area to do really good things for our area. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, kind of held my nose and voted for him. And it was partly because it, I was influenced by that because I had met some of the other candidates at like, you know, stampede breakfasts mm -hmm. and such. And I was like, the idea of you possibly representing our area is, actually makes me want to vomit. So I, <laughs> you know, it must have been pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And, and I know like in Alberta, one of the most powerful tools that you have as an Albertan is to take out your $5 membership to the conservative party to figure out who the candidate's going to be because I, like in here, everyone votes blue. So mm -hmm. that's the best way to try to influence that vote. So that, I took out that membership, voted for this guy. That's very clever. Well, it, you know, it's... I some, know nothing about politics. It's you know, and a, like a total nerd, I know way too much about politics. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for folks who are, who are in the Green Party, the NDP party, or the Liberal Party, or any other independent party mm -hmm. that kind of really is is more leaning for the people I, mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for that because i know how big these structures are and i know how hard they are to make any inroads mm -hmm. and in alberta because everybody's so blue you know it's impossible so when folks run for any of those other colors you know they're doing it out of like integrity and principle mm -hmm. and i have a lot of respect for that mm -hmm. so uh, for the Blue Party, it's not the first time I took out a membership. I took out a membership to vote in Allison Redford because at the time, Peter Marr, he was actually campaigning on privatizing health care. So I was like, this is the best $5 I've ever spent mm -hmm. was to try to block that. Um, so anyway, there was a lot of controversy that happened in my area when it came to the Blue side mm -hmm. because there was, I want to say, five candidates and um, I know what had happened with the one fellow that actually won. He was a mechanic in our area and he was funneling people who were getting their work done and adding them to the UCP roster, paying the $5 for their um, uh, membership on their credit card. And then he had a catalog of people that he could, you know, get to vote for him. And now, this is where it gets fuzzy, and this is why I think the RCMP... So wait, that first part wasn't fuzzy? Right. That's legit? That, like, you can actually do that? You know, I think... Yeah, no, like, I think it's one of those things that... Um, elections Canada, Elections Alberta is actually a lot more loosey-goosey than people understand. And we think strongly of our democracy when the truth is is that there's a lot of loopholes. Mm -hmm. And um, it... I, I would argue too there's a power structure. Um, mm -hmm. Anyone who knows anything about power and abuse knows that a mechanic has your car and is saying for an extra five dollars, you know, and you authorize it obviously in the hopes that he doesn't screw you over on your car, 
Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a power dynamic there that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. But we live in North America and nobody wants to ever acknowledge those power dynamics. So that's why rape is okay and fraud is okay and everything else under the sun is okay. What the hell's wrong with us? I don't know. I, <laughs> I can't explain it. So yeah, if that wasn't fuzzy enough, mm. there is, the and the real investigation, which I don't obviously have any details to, would mm. be the fact that... Um, people within the parties were getting these pin numbers to vote for people as opposed to me getting my pin number to vote for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I voted for Andre Chabot, that I know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how well he did in the overall vote, but I'm hearing that there were, you know, mysterious outlets over here or over here in this mall. It was controlled by one of the candidates and all these pins were entered. I was like, well, This is completely fraudulent, but obviously the RCMP have to do the investigation. We have to find out the actual details later. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, so that, you know, what's happening there is absolutely wrong. Um, One of the things that I almost had always done prior to Harper was I almost always parked my vote with the Greens. And the Mm -hmm. reason why is because if they had 5% of the overall vote, they used to get funding. So nationally, if they Mm -hmm. got 5% of the vote, they would get some funding. And that's why the Pirate Party existed and such, because they could get 5%, uh, the Communist Party. What the Um, hell was the Pirate Party? uh, You know, they were just really for freedom on the internet and freedom in general. Mm. And um, at the time, I I understood where they were coming from, and I resonated with some of their talking points. But, you know, there's a bigger picture of the of the government, like they mm-hmm. didn't really have like a real healthcare strategy or something, right? Yeah. So to me, it's not that they were an uh, illegitimate uh, party. It was just that, you know, it was an idea that was really important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I used to always park my vote with the Greens and felt good about that, knowing that they would get funding, but Harper cut that. So now it's a legitimate, like are they a good candidate to vote for? Mm-hmm. And in my area, I had actually known my green candidate and he didn't believe in white privilege or um, any issues of, uh, you know, immigrant people of color, indigenous. They, he was just one of those people that believed you just have to work hard and pull up your bootstraps and you'll do well as and well as well. And that everybody has the same opportunity. Yeah, he, he just truly yeah. believes that and, and I know a lot of the population does and, and that's nice for them even though everything else in the world suggests otherwise including the stats and the demographics of that but regardless that's what he believes says otherwise yeah Yeah. (laughs) he he believes that so to me that's an instant Mm write-off like you can't represent me in any way shape or form then if you truly believe that Um, and the NDP this is where it gets really juicy Um, our MLA that was elected was Robin Luff and Mm. I have the deepest respect for her because our area very specifically need advocacy work when it came to, um, there was a, there's a mobile home that was basically being um, shafted with the owners continuously elevating and raising their rent when they, like these are, this is a a trailer park. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, it it sounds like the reason why that it was being done was because they wanted to eliminate everyone out of this trailer park. Mm -hmm. And that's the best way to do that. That's their tool, their mechanism. Is that so and, they can sell the property? Yeah. After that? Yeah. And there's a loophole between the Tenancy Act, the Landlords Act, and mobile homes. So she was working really hard to try to, you know, fill that gap and advocate mm-hmm. for those people. On top of that, our area, it was basically developed in the 60s and 70s, 80s. Um, so our area, the, the um, playground zones were all becoming condemned. 
because they, they have a life expectancy, each playground, mm-hmm. and they were all meet, reaching that max. But you know how the rhetoric of our world is, where it's like, oh, we're, there's no money for this, there's no money mm-hmm. for that, there's no money, there's no money. So um, she was advocating for there to be money for you know all of these playgrounds in our area to get revitalized. Mm-hmm. And because she pushed too much to, like, parties have a structure. And within that structure, there are key people. And if you don't mesh perfectly with those key people, they don't scratch your back. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened was that she kind of turned off too many people in key positions. Yeah. She advocated too hard for our area in different ways. And that just turned off some of the people within the inner workings. So she eventually felt like she had to step away from the Mm -hmm. NDP. So there was a lot of controversy in the NDP about how they were even treating our area. So like I was thinking, like when I talk about timing with politics and the Liberal Party wanted me to run. Mm -hmm. (coughs) So we have all of these different factors coming together that said, you better put your name in. So I wasn't anticipating running, but I felt I had to put my name in. So I did. And then uh, the Friday before the election, the uh, UCP, the, the uh, blue guy, the RCMP actually raided his business and took all the computers and such oh. for the shady stuff that he had been doing. And, um, you know, the party tried to really downplay it and said, well, they returned the computers within, uh, you know, 24 hours or something. And, you know, and, it, and really it was his son and they couldn't find the actual candidate to be on record anywhere. He wasn't taking media um, Mm -hmm. requests or anything. (coughs) So I thought, holy cow, we have a lot of factors here adding up to what possibility of what could happen here. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, you add up the green, me, the NDP, it wasn't even close. The UCP knocked us out of the water Mm -hmm. when it came to votes. Um, very clearly everybody wanted that yeah. and um, and that was a hard pill to swallow my uh, my leader David Kahn like at a certain point we were like you know this is gonna be a really close race so we wanted to all we, we actually quit door knocking in our areas to help him mm-hmm. get elected and it still didn't help him in his area either yeah. he was going up against Kathleen Gain, uh, Ganley and she was the justice minister at the time mm. yeah so, like, there was a lot of hard-fought battles in that election, and, uh, and it didn't work out for the Alberta Liberals at all. We were completely wiped out, mm-hmm. completely. And I thought we had the strongest platform, strongest leader, and we, uh, we had uh, a wonderful man, and I don't know if he wants to be named, so I won't, but mm-hmm. he's, everyone knows who I'm talking about that's in, the, in my world. And, they, and this guy, he's a former anchor for um, one of the major Calgary news, mm-hmm. so everyone knows him. So he knew how to really handle media, put out press releases, mm-hmm. things like that. And we had press, relief, press release after press release after press release, always bringing in um, you know, media every day mm-hmm. in different locations, talking about different parts of our platform that was already available. Like It was, it was yeah. out there for everyone. So... <clears throat> It, the momentum of being in a in when you're running feels so good it feels mm-hmm. like you're doing the right thing and you know I, I would never change it for the world like I'm glad I put my name in and I'm mm-hmm. glad I did it and I'm I'm so grateful and honored to be part of that team mm-hmm. because it, it's there's people behind the scenes like Alex and Gwyneth who 
they elevate you. Mm -hmm. They help you um, navigate the system, navigate Elections Alberta, and all of the little T's that you have to cross and I's mm -hmm. you have to dot. Yeah. You know, that party structure is there. It's worth being a part of something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I don't regret doing that at all. And I, everyone knows I'm a liberal federally mm -hmm. and as well as provincially, so it just made sense. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Would you do so it again? In a second, I would do yeah. it again because I, I believe in our principles. You know, like the platform itself was like top notch. I mm -hmm. still believe it's the like today. So today, fast forward to today, we have not just uh, we had a federal election, which mm -hmm. I haven't got into yet, but the provincial budget was finally released. And uh, the problems that people are talking about within that budget, if you all look back down to the Alberta Liberal platform, we had all the solutions. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to when they start stealing a lot of our ideas and putting mm -hmm. it in there because yeah. that's what happens. And I'm, I'm saying that as a federal liberal yeah. that looks at NDP policy or Green Party policy and goes, what do, what do we like enough to snag? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that makes sense though, right? Really, right? Why reinvent the wheel if somebody has some good spokes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it's about, right? Because uh, politics doesn't matter the color. Like, I'm not going to try to be partisan here. First of all, they're all colonial, mm -hmm. so they're not meant to help Indigenous, none of them. Yeah. But <clears throat> they all work the same. So the same process that we have is the same process the blue has, the same process the orange has, mm -hmm. the same plot uh, the green has. So you have the potential to get forward this idea. Like so right now, I think a conversation that we need to have is national pharmacare. Mm. So um, a, a, the red, we were really for that federally, and the orange is for that federally. And now we have a minority government that could be one thing that we actually work together and move forward. Mm -hmm. But the blues could also put together a national pharmacy policy that would be from a blue standpoint that would look a little different than what a red one would mm -hmm. and an orange one would look, right? So that's kind of the interesting thing about um, policy development when it comes to Canada. But you have to be pretty nerdy to really analyze everybody's policy on mm -hmm. one, one issue. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, there's not just one issue. Yeah. There's, there's hundreds, mm -hmm. thousands, I would argue, right? So you, for you to know every party platform on every single issue, and frankly, a lot of the parties just don't care about a lot of issues. So like mm -hmm. gender equity plus budgets are the only party who's ever put that forward ever were the federal liberals. And mm -hmm. then Rachel Notley's orange team did it, Yeah. right? So, and then of course... Uh, she was eliminated, so that was eliminated. So those are conversations that were never really fully had mm -hmm. in the media, which sucks because it was such a great conversation to have, especially now today we're talking about racism because mm -hmm. of what happened to Jagmeet Singh and, um, and the blackface of Justin Trudeau and all those things. Like, what we really need to what have a conversation. What's that? What happened to Hugmeet? So Jugmeet saying Is it Jugmeet? Jugmeet. Oh, okay. You know what? I was saying it wrong really for a long time until yep. just recently. I found out that it's Jugmeet Singh. Um, but I was saying Jagmeet Singh because that's how it phonetically looks. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you go onto his Twitter account, it says uh, Jugmeet like hug meat. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, that's a thing. And somebody put out an article that said, no Canadian has the excuse to say uh, Jugmeet Singh's name wrong anymore. And it went through it. And I went, oh, this whole time I was saying it wrong. Oh, okay. And that was in the middle of the election mm -hmm. uh, that I was saying. So, and that just ended on Monday. So, <laughs> you know. Oh my God, it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, even I, 
as much as I like to think I understand a lot of things, there are a lot of things I don't understand. Mm. And that was a, one of those things I just learned was to say Jagmeet Singh's name right. So anyway, what had happened to him on the campaign trail is mm. that he went to Quebec. And Quebec has this bill right now that actually purposely targets Muslims and Sikhs, or Sikh. They, and that's another thing. I used to call them Sikhs, but it's actually Sikh population. Mm. Um, for turbans and for hijabs, those things, they're not allowed to wear them if you're a public servant. Mm -hmm. So if you're teaching schools in a turban or if you're teaching schools with a hijab, boom, you're not allowed to anymore. Wow. Yeah. So it's a fundamental charter of rights violation, no question. But this was in Quebec. And everyone was expecting the federal um, leaders to talk about this policy and how they were going to approach it. Mm -hmm. And even uh, like every party kind of, I don't want to talk about this right now because we're in the federal election Mm -hmm. and we don't want to lose the Quebec vote. So we don't want to talk about this. So they actually had um, some campaigning in Quebec and Jagmeet Singh went there. And the first guy that they were talking to was like, yeah, you got to cut off that turban if you're going to, and, and it, this went viral, this video mm-hmm. went viral. And that was the type of racism that, you know, he experienced. But mm-hmm. then when the blackface stuff came out from Justin Trudeau, he was like, well, I want to call Jugmeat personally. And Jugmeat was like, whoa, 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 I'm not going to let you politicize your so-called apology to me so that you can gain mm-hmm. points. Like, that's not how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are Saturday after the Monday election already, and... There's not really a conversation about racism and and the implications of that, right? So, so you would have a, and I think you might have some insight on that though. Like what, what happens, because you're right, this stuff comes and goes so quickly now. Yeah. Like what happens to get it out of our minds so fast? They just move on to something else? Or? Yeah, like, well, I'll take for example, it's only been four years since we lost Harper. Mm-hmm. I still have deep, deep wounds and trauma from that. And uh, as do a lot of the indigenous folks mm-hmm. and people have totally forgot about it. Like it was neck and neck with Justin and Andrew Shear, and Andrew Shear literally didn't have a platform. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who he is. And yet he was almost the prime minister solely based off the fact he's blue. Wow. You know, yeah. like people have the shortest memories when it comes mm-hmm. to um, what parties have done to certain folks. Right. And, uh, and and like I even think of Thomas Mulcair being the leader of the NDP in the last four, four years and him being perfectly okay with the Saudi Arabia deal because he knew it benefited union workers. Mm. And, um, you know, people forget about these things so quickly. And then with Jagmeet, or Jagmeet, he seemed like this rising star of a politician, mm. right? That's a likable, good-looking, um, you know spoke really well english or english really well with no accent Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing for a lot of people but ultimately when you know you look at his name it's not english colonial Mm -hmm. you know and i i talk about that my name being michelle robinson being born michelle elliott that i have already gotten a step up in this world solely based off the fact my name is you know quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. to you know privileged colonial english speaking canada yeah yeah so um, at the end of the day, I don't know if Canada would ever vote for somebody brown because there is long-standing white supremacy issues in this area and that nobody wants to talk about that here in Canada. So it's really easy for people to move on from racism because they don't want to deal with it to begin with. 
There's been some really good um, articles about it, though. Mm. So that's been good. I've been trying to share a few of them, but yeah. not too many people clicking on them or reading them or giving feedback. So, so it's sad because here we are. We have an opportunity to talk mm-hmm. about it, but even people in my own circle who are supposed to be more elevated in those conversations aren't interested in having that. So that's interesting, eh? Isn't it? I like, I, and there's so many things that <clears throat> in this country and other countries, I'm sure, are the same. So I'm not just picking on us, but yeah, where there's just so much underlying racism towards some specific culture whether it be the indigenous or it be somewhere else like because i know sure. in in france they have the same law i think that quebec has yeah or something similar i heard um, i'm pointing to the north but that's not where france is france is that way no yeah i know what you mean <laughs> but yeah but i believe it's a, i don't know if it's for public servants but they have they at one point banned the the burqa um the turban and then the hijab, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I don't know if it still is over there. We could probably look that up or something. But yeah, it, it just seems to me that everywhere you go on the planet, there's a, there's people hating on another group of people. Totally. And so like, how do we, and obviously we just need to keep talking about it, but how do we talk about it in a way that doesn't make people sick? Yeah, that's the, that's the question there, mm-hmm. isn't it? Because, uh, um, I've started to really feel comfortable saying, oh, my white family, my indigenous family. Mm -hmm. And even saying the word white really offends a lot of people. Mm -hmm. When you talk about white supremacy, people think of, you know, KKK wearing sheets, Mm -hmm. not the underlying assumption that you're not going to wear a turban, you're not going to wear a hijab, and Mm -hmm. you're going to have a name that I can read phonetically. Mm-hmm. Right, and I was guilty of it by with the Jagmeet Singh thing. Yeah, you know, saying Jagmeet Singh. Um, I so, thought it was Hugmeet Singh because of his Twitter thing. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I must have misread that, but yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, so it's it's really interesting how, like, how subtle it can be and how mm-hmm. extreme it can be, and we just only think extreme. We don't think of the subtle issues. Like, we don't think that ultimately we're speaking. English right now on Blackfoot territory. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's Dene, there's uh, Stony here as well, mm-hmm. and we're not speaking those languages. We're not speaking Machif, and arguably Machif, um, or the the Métis, really created Calgary. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a French quarter. We don't predominantly speak French here. Yeah. Um, you know, so like it, it's so funny how insidious and simple it can be mm-hmm. and we're t- just completely oblivious to it. And even for me, constantly decolonizing and trying to unpack, you know, how pervasive that thinking is in my mm-hmm. in my life, my system, my family, everything, and how hard it is to get away from it too. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the other part. I put my daughter in French immersion because I know the bigger picture, you know, sh- that will help her with mm-hmm. government jobs, that will help her not just here, but she could go uh, anywhere mm-hmm. around the world and between French and English, she should be able to fit in the world. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of my hope, right? But then here in Canada, she'll be really, it'll mm-hmm. be a lot easier. And then I actually, and this is not a popular opinion, but I have a friend um, out east who says that Machif is really just Quebecois and a little bit of um, the indigenous language. Mm-hmm. And she said, but it's mainly Quebecois French. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so I know for my daughter, it will help her um, understand indig- indigenous mm-hmm. Machif here and there in different places. She'll understand it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So. so there was there was something, and you're talking about the, the in, I don't know how you put it, 
But anyway, when we were in Rocky Mountain House taking that course, sure. And I remember you said something about just going into a store. Yep. And that people will look at you differently at you. Right? Absolutely. Like, and that was something that I thought about it maybe in different ways. Sure. But at that time, I left there and I remember going, the next time I went into a store, which was on the way home from Rocky Mountain House, mm. it was, I'm standing there and I'm like, I don't really know what I'm getting because I, I walked into something happening around the counter and it was about four indigenous kids um, with their mom. And they were having, there was some kind of really awkward like misunderstanding or something happening. Well, obviously I came in late, so I didn't know. Sure. But it, all I could do was think about <clears throat> your voice telling me that just walking into the store might be hard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the reality was that this woman was trying to express herself, but she couldn't, right? And she couldn't because the person behind the counter didn't want to hear it. Whatever it was. That wall was there. Yeah, there was like an instant wall there and it was so strange, right? Yeah. Because now I see it everywhere. Right. Right. Because now I'm looking for it more and I'm like, do I do it? Because I want to make sure that if I do it and I'm not perfect. So yeah. God knows, Darcy knows, I'm far from perfect. But trying to make sure that at least to be aware of it, mm -hmm. right? To be aware that there is something that happens when um, a noticeable difference is there, sure. right? Uh, it doesn't even matter whether it's race or whatever it is, but just a noticeable difference. Yep. You know, and it's so quick. It is. Right? Like, yeah. I, I can't even imagine how it is to, to go through it every day. Sure. You know, because I don't have to experience that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I got on that topic. Probably just because it was there. I don't yeah. Know. No, but I think as a person covered in tattoos, because I look at you and I see your tattoos, I know you are probably experiencing some mm. uh, bias and prejudice somewhere. Because sure. I know people look at my tattoos in a negative light, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes I will wear long sleeves and I, I can't, uh, like I don't have my hands done like mm -hmm. you do, right? Or on my neck. So I know you do experience some mm -hmm. bias based on that alone, but you are predominantly white, right? Yeah. So, and yeah. I think that's the thing where I might not even notice I'm being treated differently because sure. I might not understand what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. I might just be like, well, some people are just scared of tattoos, right? So I remember seeing that at the, I, we had this little place called the Art Box on 17th Avenue. And there was this older woman who's one of my mentors. I love her to pieces. There was a man who just came out of jail. He was in a van and he was living in his van and he had some sketches. And he was like, can I show this at your at your place and I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, going through it and I'm great and, and it looked great and I'm like, absolutely, I can't see why we wouldn't. But I noticed my friend was gone. And when he had left, she said that she was in the back room just petrified because she knew he was an ex-con, she knew he had a van and she knew that he was covered in tattoos. Mm -hmm. And she just comes from a generation where that just scares the living hell out of her. Mm -hmm. So she was just, she was hiding and she didn't wow. understand how I was okay with it. But there were, I don't know either like something mm -hmm. clicked where yeah. I just connected with him and I knew he wasn't a mean guy mm -hmm. you know because sometimes sometimes it's that like I there are people who are dressed in suits mm -hmm. that you can just tell this is not a person I want to be around yeah you know they they are not a nice person yeah the, the right? energy is like just all wrong right absolutely yeah. so you know it there, there is a difference there but I know some people it's mm -hmm. like based off of that and I mean even I have prejudices um and I don't like it, but mm -hmm. I mean, it, 
it's well, always good to unpack it whenever yeah. I come across it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, I, I know like we were talking about indigenous issues and that really is what it comes down to is mm-hmm. that there's still a bias against indigenous people. And, um, and it's from every party, isn't it? It's from every party. Like yeah. it's, it's almost like it's just, it lives in the government. It does. You know? Well, and it, it does in order I to survive. I guess it technically does. Yeah, yeah, like in order to steal all the lands, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I try to unpack a lot of that in my podcast that, mm-hmm. of course, my husband made me start um, in order to do, but... Yay, I, Darcy! Yeah, just like this, though. <laughs> it's so healing. Because mm-hmm. um, you, you don't even realize, like every single day, is there's something happening that's insane that is almost impossible to articulate so you do it through the podcast and it helps heal and get through this you know moment whether it's all of the liberals attacking jody wilson rainbow because she's not a liberal anymore so they can and it's like but you don't even see your own personal bias against Mm -hmm. indigenous women here and we i talk about violence against indigenous women all the time and you're so clearly doing it verbally against Mm -hmm. this woman and you don't even see it. You think you're progressive because you're behind Justin. And mm-hmm. this was before, obviously, the blackface stuff came out. And uh, and that's been really hard for me to process. I said on my podcast today, um, you know, the green light process. There's mm-hmm. a process within every structure. Um, every part, every party has it. And I know we, he didn't get properly vetted. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that they go through your finances. They go through your uh, social media. Anything associated with with your past, they go through it to determine whether or not, because if we can find it, like if I can find, if you want to be a liberal and I go through your social media and I find you were saying this negative stuff about Muslims, somebody else can too. Mm -hmm. And even if we delete it today, the dark web can find that tweet. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a blue, and I know you've said negative things against Muslims, I'm gonna pay someone to go through the dark web and find those tweets Mm -hmm. so that come election time, I can use it against you. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of amazing candidates that never actually make it through our green light process because of something that could be misinterpreted Mm -hmm. at one one point in time in their social media. Happens all the time. And um, I, I know that Justin Trudeau was improperly vetted in mm-hmm. order for him to have gotten to the point he did with multiple moments of like brown or blackface. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just, it's such a crappy thing because I know what it was like at the time being in the party of being in third party status mm-hmm. for the first time in the history of Canada, not feeling like we had a good leader. And needing a, a new hope, not just for our party, but for Canada, mm-hmm. because you know it, it's always gone blue and blue and red, always. Mm-hmm. So now, fast forward to this. Now we've just gone through this federal election, and I, I just see Andrew Shear as such a like a you know the kid from Mad Magazine. Oh yeah, that's how I picture him. Oh really? Yeah, I just I don't see him as a strong leader at yeah. all. I don't understand how anyone in Alberta or Saskatchewan could b- mm-hmm. vote blue for him because uh, I was born and raised here and I know the toxic male uh, belief system that is pervasive here. Mm-hmm. So the idea for them to vote for him, like it's honestly like that, you know, grade six kid that you always beat up and bullied, he's who we elect- elected. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't understand how the bullies 
who would normally bully that kid would actually elect him. That's how I see the world mm. through the lens that I grew up in, yeah. right? And I and I still see so predominant in the media and such. So, mm. yeah. Wow. There's just so much there. Right? <laughs> no, right. There's a lot there. There's so much to unpack in that. No. Um, well, I guess what I was thinking was maybe they maybe they voted for him because they see him as being a bully eventually, or maybe he's got the potential to be a bully because he was bullied. Yeah, maybe. I, or maybe they are just white and they just like white people. Yeah, it could like, be that too. It Who could knows? be that simple, right? Right, like, right. Yeah. So. But here we are, and now Elizabeth May is not alone. She actually had elected folks come up with her. So, and today she talked about not possibly being the leader. Mm. So that's kind of a big jump from everything that we've known wow. as Canadians because we've always seen her as the leader. So. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and so is she stepping out then? Or? Yeah, I think she just knows that there's probably going to be a leadership race, and mm-hmm. I don't know if she's too keen on continuing being that leader. And yeah. I know... She just recently got married, and I know even my daughter thought they were the cutest wedding pics she's ever seen in her life. So, you know, something were they about cute? Yeah. something about older people getting married, I think, is just is not just adorable, but when they're so madly in love, and mm-hmm. it's so it comes out in those pictures, right? Yeah. So, well, that's yeah. far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right I'm on. happy for her. She may like. I wouldn't even say we disagree politically. I just know that as as much of an ally as she is to indigenous people, mm. she's she still doesn't fully get it, and it's really clear in her party's policies. Mm. And she's old enough; she could retire, and I would if I was in her position. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, a couple questions. I have yeah. one question about this this federal election because you're you're liberal, right? Yep. Um, I shouldn't say you are. I I believe you are. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> how how is the Liberal Party still sticking with Justin? Yeah, so I think uh, I think internally there's probably going to be a big, mm. and and this is what sucks. When I first joined the party, there was a big problem in the party. There was a Paul Martin camp, and there was a Jean Chrétien camp. Mm. And even though there was like six of us in Calgary, three of them were in one camp, and three of them were in the mm. other, and the, and the six shall never meet. Yeah. And that was legitimately what was happening. And it wasn't oh, wow. until Justin was part of the leadership thing that for the first time, these two camps would come into a room. Mm. And that's really, I, I would argue he united the party. Oh, okay. But after all of the antics that I had seen with, you know, Jody Wilson-Rainbow, uh, Jane Philpont and Selena, even I'm, and the blackface thing. I mean, <clears throat> we can't have somebody who did blackface. Mm-hmm as our leader. So I think there's going to be a huge shift in the party. And I think, unfortunately, there will become two camps of again hey. pro-Justin and anti-Justin. And it, and it sucks because <laughs> we did, we had this like years of rebuilding the Liberal Party mm-hmm. and to get away from the, you know, Paul Martin, Jean Chrétien camp. And yet I feel like just naturally it just happened Mm -hmm. through policies and and such and it sucks because um i don't want to see the party fall apart yeah but at the same time i i want to have an honest conversation can we really have somebody regard he was he was nominated or um endorsed by barack obama and uh, martin luther king jr's grandson and regardless of those two endorsements 
I don't feel good with a blackface prime mm-hmm. minister. Um, so I've lost any desire mm-hmm. to want. I mean, they were they were already showing it to me. They didn't really care about my opinion. That was really coming mm-hmm. clear once we got him elected. Um, and a lot of people tried to say, well, you know, we're we're the government now so there has to be a division between the government and the party and i'm like "Mm, are you sure Mm -hmm. and a lot of the indigenous women that i know that were in the party i seen how they were treated and eventually left the party Mm -hmm. and i i just or the government of canada i should say and uh so it's really clear to me that i talk a lot about structural racism Mm -hmm. and how that if you're not um actively in anti-oppression, anti-racism training and indigenous education, you're never going to change the structure. Mm. And we are in none of those categories as a party, let alone as a government, let alone the other parties, Mm. right? So we're really still just upholding white supremacy. And I, um, you know, I, I don't know if I can if I have the energy, there's something called racial battle fatigue. Mm. And that's every single day. And you kind of articulated it with a woman trying to go into a store Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you're constantly met with negativity solely based off the sex or your race, you get exhausted, you know, and it's fucking tiring. Right. And so a lot of people I know that are people of color, they're just exhausted. Mm. And, and that's kind of where I'm at right now where I'm just kind of exhausted trying to, say the same message over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and I see the burnout happen across the community whether you know they're brown black or indigenous I see it so uh and I I think I'm kind of there too Mm -hmm. where I'm just exhausted trying to you can only say the same thing so many times and it's very clear like there today we have books documentaries podcasts so many resources mm-hmm. available to people who really want to be anti-oppressive. But people don't want to do that work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk about how people who know they have addiction issues don't want to necessarily go through 12 steps, mm-hmm. like fully and completely and immerse themselves, yeah. right? And, it, and it's almost the same thing where it's like, you know, until everybody's going through regularly mm-hmm. understanding their oppressive nature, and myself included, you know, I do have some privilege as a straight mm-hmm. cis woman, uh, things I never think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. I've seen an article. I haven't even read the article, but the article talked about trans kids and their families mourning their childhood as the wrong sex. And I, I just read the, artic- or the, the headline, and I've been thinking about it for a week, and mm-hmm. I can't quit thinking about it because that is something I've never had to think about, never had to worry about, mm-hmm. right? So... We all are oppressive in some ways and we are completely oblivious to it, mm-hmm. right? So even for me, if I'm not reading articles like that, if I'm not thinking about things from different points of view, mm-hmm. I am just as guilty of being oppressive as anybody else. Yeah. So, Well, and that's nice of you to say that because, I mean, we, we're all basically hypocrites, right? Like all at, of us at, in some yeah, way. Yeah. At some point in time in our day or our week or whatever. Um, but there was something, it kept popping into my head. So I don't know the history of Canada very well because I came up from the States. And while I was in the States, I became quite ignorant. Thank <laughs> you very much. Um, so I don't, I don't know much about much. And it wasn't because I was in the States that I was ignorant. I'm not making that connection. But has there ever been in Canada an ad- Indigenous party? 
like an indigenous party that ran or are we limited by only having four parties like i don't understand that yeah so anyone can start a party we could start a party today mm -hmm. um it could be anything that we want to talk about recovery party we could start the recovery party mm -hmm. today um it's just a simple process of going through elections canada and mm -hmm. registering and like there's there's a, a christian heritage party mm -hmm. there was a veterans party in our area as well um, which means it's a national party mm -hmm. right uh, there was the people's party and uh, there was the Alberta party actually that went provincially. So I'm just trying to think of all the parties I forgot mm. to mention. Um, and, and it really is a simple process mm. of, of creating a party. And there was an indigenous party once upon a time as well. But at the end of the day, you have to get like the first pass the post system is designed so that you have to get a majority mm. vote in order to get that MP, right? And uh, I mean, as a liberal, we literally campaign last election that there would never be another first past the post election ever and yet here we here we are we broke that promise mm -hmm. so uh, it, it's it's just an impossibility when it comes to the first past the post system to have something like that and uh, well that sucks it, it does suck right yeah. and arguably because indigenous should have equal share to the land resources and everything yeah even having a party is still diminishing our rights because we have full jurisdiction, actually, mm -hmm. and we should be sharing that with Canada. We, our ancestors decided to share with Canada. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would you know, make that argument mm -hmm. of uh, I would share. But I would totally understand if a lot of Indigenous are not in the you know, space and mentality to share the land at this point yeah. because the treaties have been broken. The, yeah. What our ancestors signed is long gone mm. and and was from the moment they signed the treaty like the indian act was created in 1876 1877 was tr when treaty 7 was signed mm. so they already knew as colonial beings that they were breaking the treaty yeah. of the next year they already knew that with the indian act so. wow and and we still stand behind it still like yeah. there's still people that stand behind it eh? like well <sighs> shit <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's I, want little... I want an indigenous party, man. That's what I want. Like, I want someone, like, I, I just think that we, they, there, it needs to be equal representation. Yeah. Uh, and unless we can get equal, which we probably won't get equal representation, if we're honest, right? But yeah. something close. Yeah, Some absolutely. representation, right? Absolutely. And, like, so folks like me who, um, like, I know I will never get that out there to the mainstream populace mm. to understand the gravity of Indigenous rights. So even for me, you know, naively thinking, you know, well, even if we had an Indigenous person at the table to advocate for Indigenous mm. people, but getting, you know, the majority of folks to believe in me and trust in me was, mm. it, it's... It's overwhelmingly sad because, um, you know, ultimately I was raised as a Calgarian. I was raised as an Albertan, as a Canadian. Um, I was raised in the white supremacist world. Mm. So I understand that world. And yet there's this still that disconnect, that belief system that, well, I don't understand what it's like. And it's like, mm. what are you talking about? I was forced to be raised in this world. I was forced to understand all the colonial politics mm. and then on top of that i understand indigenous politics so you know me trying to bring that worldview to mainstream politics is mm. a favor to the mainstream world but they still see me in that um inferior role uh 
ignorant role, uh, not understanding two cultures when it's the opposite. It's like in order to survive this one, you have to know it and oh, be yeah. immersed, immersed yeah. in it, you know. So and then, you know, naively, I thought, especially when it was provincially, mm. it was the only candidate that had uh, fossil fuel experience. Yeah. And not like a little, like my dad was a union boilermaker who built Syncrude. I mm. lived in Fort McMurray. When I started on my own feet, like I was in seismic data, I mm. was in um, geomatics. We owned a business that was related to the industry. My husband still works in the industry. Like the idea that I'm somehow, you know, incapable of understanding the industry. Mm. I laughed and scoffed at that idea that people, you know, wouldn't vote for me because I was the only candidate that did. As it turns out, I was wrong. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm not that person that mm -hmm. uh, that folks had that confidence to place their vote in. Which so. is too bad. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it is. It's too bad. It it's a learning experience, too, for not just me, but also for other Indigenous who mm -hmm. were thinking about, um, you know, passing as white in order to you know, try to fit in this world and try to make it work. It, mm. When Canadians find out you're part Native, they, they discriminate against you. There's no way to shake that, right? So, um, and of course, and, and in my case, to be fair, you know, for folks who are really conservative, like I am out as an ally to the LGBTQ2 plus community. I would never... Like, I would get angry if anybody said negative things mm. about that. I have a long history of trying to be a more positive ally than, uh, you know, sitting on the sidelines mm. on that. And um, that's really, especially in my area, a very conservative mm. uh, conversation. And Jason Kenney knows this, actually, <clears throat> where he knows that a lot of the colonized Christian world um, has those very conservative viewpoints mm. when it comes to LGBTQ2 plus rights. So even in all of their hate of different racial colors, they will still be united on this one thing that we're mm. going to hate the gays. So that will be the one thing that they'll be used to not vote for me. Yeah. Right. So it sucks, but it's just a reality. Yeah. Wow. It does fucking suck. Mm -hmm. Politics sucks. It does suck. How do we get so fucked up that we need to have like that? We'd rather have crooked politicians than <laughs> no politicians. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, I, and it's interesting because like I grew up in this world and I mm -hmm. know what it was like to make the joke that, uh, you know, you were always voting for the worst or for to, to avoid the worst. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, the only reason why I got involved in politics was because I thought, well, I can't possibly screw it up more than these guys, could I? That's a good point. Right. And that's yeah. why I got involved. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, very rarely do you find like actual Calgarians who were born here. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought I had that in my court, you know, born in Alberta, had that in my court, mm -hmm. second generation industry, had that in my court. But you know, that desire to want to evolve and progress mm -hmm. had that in my court. I kept thinking these are electable qualities that yeah. people would want. But I mean, in the federal election that we just had, Oh, we had such an outstanding candidate. He's mm. an ophthalmologist, sorry. So he's an eye surgeon. Oh, okay. Yeah, and everyone in our area knows him because they all get their work done through him. Um, he uh, sees a lot of people because of uh, diabetes, 
heart um, blood pressure medications that people don't have access to. Mm -hmm. So he ends up working on their eyes as a result of them not having access to health care. Oh, man. Well, more so their meds. Yeah. And so he was a strong candidate or strong proponent for um, pharmacare, mm -hmm. someone who legitimately cares about the health and well-being yeah. of, of our area. So I was... Um, so I thought for sure as the more mature candidate, he would win based off that alone, not yeah. just, you know, knowing everybody, but also that his experience with um, uh, as a as an individual, as a person. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, you know, they still wanted the blue guy. So younger, I don't actually know a single thing he stands for. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even know his name, really. So I, I don't know his name. Yeah, I don't I don't really care either because I just know. I just know blue people are bootlicking yes people. Bootlicking yes people. You know, they don't they don't think for themselves. Mm -hmm. They just are told, here are your talking points, learn them, say them, and if you deviate, you're out. It's simple. And those are the party people that are yep. put in, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it makes sense. You're going to want a robot, right? Like, you're yep. not going to want a thinker, so. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's kind of, well, no, it's totally disappointing. I was... Yeah really sad that we lost um we we elected four liberals in the last election and we lost them all in this mm -hmm. one so yeah they're all gone but there was one orange one from edmonton that represents um alberta so that's all we got all the rest mm. are blue wow yeah i'm shocked that it's still like that to be honest yeah that it's so blue here still i know and the, and the irony is that it's from people who aren't even from here yeah. That's that's the irony that I don't understand, mm -hmm. right? So, oh well. Yeah, just you know what? There's just so many ins and outs to politics, hey? Eh? It's like I couldn't like I couldn't picture um Trudeau after I read the ethics report. I was like, yeah, there's no chance I'll vote for this guy. Yeah. Right? Like and and that that without the blackface stuff, without all that stuff. Totally. Yeah. Um was enough to turn me totally off because yep. I'm like, you know what? At the least try to be a little bit better about your criminality mm. or whatever you're into. Cause if you're going to get caught, you're going to get caught and you shouldn't be allowed to be in office after that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, but I anyway, mean, I, I, it's not really no, but about that. There should that. be a threshold. I really like how you said that because Harper would have been gone long ago then had, right? because he kept breaking the ethics as well. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the point. Like there should be a, a bar mm -hmm. where once you hit this, sorry, yeah, your, like your I wonder over. What, what's the bar for us then? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, like, it's, it's got to be because this guy won. Yeah, I know. Well, and, and that's how I felt when Harper got his majority mm -hmm. government was the same thing. Like after everything that he had done, you guys actually gave him a majority mandate. Yeah. Like and and it, and it's hard when you look at your neighbors and go, I know you voted for my oppression. I know you mm -hmm. voted for genocide. How do you sleep at night? Yeah. You know, it's hard. But this is where we're at, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, but it's so strange because now, I mean, as a as a member of the LGBTQ2 plus S community myself, I think I actually got that all out. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, that is something that is important to me. Like what, are, what young people are going to have to go through with that stuff? Yeah. And obviously voting blue is not the way to go. No, and a lot you of give people... A shit. Absolutely, absolutely. There's um, that conversion therapy conversation. Oh. Like uh, Jason Kenny's brother, that's what he does for a living, is that conversion therapy. That's, really? Yeah, that's his job. That's what he does, right? 
Jesus. I know. You know like, we, and we know, we deal with people's trauma every single day. Mm. So we know the type of trauma that induces. And as a straight person, I can't necessarily help a person through that trauma mm. as well as somebody who's LGBTQ2+. But Jesus, at least I recognize there's trauma. Yeah. And that's what kills me is that we know this and yet we still don't do yeah. something about it. But same with addiction. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, that's a that's health issue yeah. that we don't address because it's in the brain and mm -hmm. brain chemistry somehow is exempt to health. And that's something I don't understand about our society either. Yeah, and you so, and me both. That's yeah. very strange. Yeah, like it's to me, uh, with the work that you do, where you're, you know, you're doing trauma therapy, spiritual awakening, mm -hmm. that type of thing, working with people where they're at, like that should be funded. That should mm -hmm. be a part of our regular healthcare. Yeah. And yet it's considered othered. Yeah. And that that's something I don't understand. Same with like massage therapy and uh, chiropractic. Like. Mm -hmm. Physio too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's othered. And yeah. I, I don't understand that. And especially in a place that, you know, claims to care about economic health. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't have economic growth and health if your population is constantly, you know, left in limbo to trauma. Mm -hmm. so. Are in pain constantly, right? Like Totally. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, though, that's I don't want to not talk about this. Um, your work with, and you can tell me more about it, but... Uh, the, the missing and murdered Indigenous women across Canada. Is that what it's called? Yeah, well, um, that's, that's how it started, okay. actually, was families trying to articulate, you know, collectively, we all have this issue. Mm. And missing and murdered Indigenous women eventually evolved into missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Mm. And the reason for that is that... Uh, so. We talked a little bit about LGBTQ2 plus issues, but in the indigenous community, after forced residential school, there was a lot of homophobia and transphobia. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot, actually. In my own family, we have that. And um, as a result, if somebody can be misgendered, or um, and this is a, across all races, if somebody's transgendered, they have a, a higher likelihood for violence mm -hmm. compared to cis people, yeah. which I identify as, which means I'm the same sex as I was born in. I think that I'm that sex mm -hmm. and all of that. Whereas with transgender, they may not identify. Mm -hmm. um, lesbians, uh, just they may have been killed because they're a lesbian, mm -hmm. but we're not acknowledging that as their family because we might be ashamed that that child was transgendered yeah. or that yeah. child was a lesbian. So, so when, when, she, when the child is hurt, they don't acknowledge that is what you mean? That's okay. right. And it, it's pretty much like uh, Canada, across Canada, whether you're Indigenous or not, if you are rejected by your family because of your not being straight, mm. you know, that it's a higher um, issue of violence, it's a higher issue of homelessness, it's a higher issue of uh, rejection from your family, but then add the coupled issue of racism and mm. colonial violence, you may not be safe in your res mm. because of that taught homophobia and transphobia. And then because of the different jurisdiction of law that there is, um, all of these things coalesce. And if you end up in the cities um, as an indigenous person, you're not um, supported the same way mm. as if you were not indigenous. Right there's uh, still so much racism within the LGBTQ2+ yeah. community, and there's so much bias against Indigenous in the urban setting. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, our two spirit are at such high risk for being missing or murdered. Oh God, and then yeah. the same thing with the girls and the women. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, and it's an issue not just across Canada, but also across North America, because the States has the very similar history as a yeah. Canada. They use different terminology. We use reserves. They use reservations. We say Indian residential schools. They say Indian boarding schools. Boarding schools but it's yeah. the same concept and it's yeah. the same colonial violence against us. So. Yeah, and yeah. it's not as though, like, because the documentary I watched today um, was about Canadian women specifically, sure. and more specifically in, in Manitoba, for mm. the most part. This, this documentary is about 30 minutes long, um, and I have the next one's like five hours long. That's queued up. So I like to go from, like, very little to all of it, and then sure. so that I can not sleep for a week. But um, it, it, I think one of the cops in the, in the episode in the doc documentary said it was like something like 95% of all the missing people in Winnipeg are indigenous. Mm -hmm. That's what, I mean, he was probably guessing, but I'm not going to count, I'm not going to quote him on the stat, Sure. but it's pretty high. Yeah. And for a police officer to say that and confidently say that, yep. that means the majority of missing people are indigenous. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Regardless. Um, and so that, is that trend kind of the same all across the country, like in the in the major epicenters? Like, yeah, it's a sad reality. So one of the reasons why I ran provincially or mm. um, municipally was that our area, my neighbor was Colton Crowshoe, and Colton Crowshoe went missing and was murdered in our area. Mm. Um, it, and it was a really sad story where um, the, I was just walking my dogs and I seen these missing posters. And it turned out my neighbor was putting them up because neither the media or the police were willing to help this family find their son. Mm -hmm. It was the start of July, and so it's the start of Stampede here. And they just said, ah, he's probably drunk. Let him go party for a couple of weeks. And this was at the exact same time that, that those two grandparents and that little boy were missing. So they were on the front of the Calgary Sun every single day, but they wouldn't put Colton Crowshoe up there. Mm -hmm. And it was so in your face the racism and bias that it just changed me as a person mm -hmm. and I just knew I would never be the same after this and I, I haven't been mm. I don't know if I can honestly say I could go back to a normal life again because mm. um, and the same thing happened actually I was at the Montreal convention when this happened and um, uh, it's uh, I, you know I, I worked my whole life to be white mm. to be accepted to be mainstream and when I had my daughter um, I experienced extreme racism in the uh, Peter Lougheed and the only thing I could contribute it to was that I was a status native even though I act white, what act white talked white you know we I was drafting wells and pipelines I was contributing so-called to the economy the way that is accepted all of those things they still marginalized me when I was in giving birth and um, and that really changed me. This was mm -hmm. days after uh, Jackie Crazybold was stabbed and murdered on 17th Ave oh, during Stampede. Mm -hmm. And that really affected me because I was pregnant and seeing the violence against Indigenous women for no reason. Mm -hmm. They were Indigenous. And like an idiot, I was pregnant with this little girl that I knew I was going to bring into a world that would hate her mm -hmm. for no reason other than she was Indigenous. And um, Loretta Saunders went missing. Lorenda Saunders was like me. She looked white. And when I was in Montreal, they found her. 
they were covering her 24-7 until they found out she was indigenous and then they quit and then they found her and uh, she was dead and she was murdered and she was murdered because she was indigenous and it was shortly after that I actually met her sister Delilah and uh, Delilah Saunders has become this really outspoken person for indigenous rights and did some amazing activism with Muskrat uh, Falls when they were trying to do some uh, development there. And um, it, it's it's just a, my reality that by just being indigenous, I will always be targeted. Mm. And I, I don't even care about me. I care more about my daughter. Mm. What kind of stupid world I brought her into. That... It is just acceptable to kill indigenous people and nobody cares. Nobody does anything. And we have stacks and stacks of reports I've seen in Montreal. I met one of the leaders of this. Her name is uh, Bridget Tolley. She founded Sisters in Spirit. She's a founder of uh, the vigils that we do every October 4th. And I met her and she brought this. She brought the reports and she pulled them out of her bag. And she kept stacking them up, and she said, this isn't even all of them. Mm. We have so many reports to implement, nobody does it. And she was at the Liberal Convention telling us this. Loretta Saunders' bodies was just found, and I was away from my daughter for the first time. And I couldn't understand how we were here. Um, Our uh, national women's rep, Naomi, Sayers, everybody nationally knows who she is, the strongest indigenous feminist there is. She put forward the policy for missing and murdered indigenous women, and it passed unanimously. Again, we were in third party status. Um, You know, we needed wins, and I think the Liberal Party was humble enough to actually listen to us at that time. And uh, my two spirit policy had passed, but I, I remember making the plea for folks to go back to their um, writings and just start including the two spirit in the spirit of reconciliation and um, and knowing that the more important policies that we all in the room would agree to would be like missing and murdered indigenous mm-hmm. women and um, and that that's that was the feeling I had at the time if we put all of that forward and I had so much hope when we got elected and the inquiry happened but we have 231 calls to justice and we just had the election and nobody talked about it Mm. nobody nobody has had a plan to implement the 94 calls to action that the truth and reconciliation commission put out so how can I expect them to have a plan for the Mm. inquiry if they don't care enough to put forward an action plan for the Mm for the commission. <sighs> and it, at times it feels really hopeless. I bet. But it hurts me more thinking of the world I brought my daughter into. Mm. And if I would have known then what I know now, I don't know if I would have. Mm. I just don't know. Um, and that's hard because I always wanted to have two kids, but after what they did to me at the Peter Lougheed, mm-hmm. I'll never have another child and I will always stand by a woman to decide to have an abortion because if the alternative Mm -hmm. is being forced to give birth in a situation like that, Mm -hmm. I should give um, the positive of what happened with my daughter's birth 
was that I worked to get midwifery funded in Alberta. Mm -hmm. So every birth that has been funded by the Alberta government is thanks to my daughter's birth. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I didn't do it alone. I did that thanks to Mammy Bular. He was the one who did, he was my advocate in my corner who wore blue. Um, he, was, he was that guy because his auntie was a midwife. Mm. And when he came and he showed up at my door, and I think I talked about this in our last podcast, mm. I, I told him what happened and I said that, because when you talk to blue people, they don't care about anything but money. So you only talk to them in money terms. Mm. So I talked to him about the need to uh, save money. And they, of course, that was the cell job that got midwifery funded. But yeah. um, ethically, morally, spiritually, it's mm. the better alternative. Yeah. Um, but you can't talk like that to blue people. They don't care. All yeah. they care about is money. So. That's such so succinct way to say it. Yeah. Like it just it just kind of covers it, right? It's yeah. Like what what does one party care about versus another? Well, money. Money. And that's I'm it. I'm gonna wager a guess that most of the parties are money oriented. Yeah. Because that's what culture is, right? Like yeah. right now, like our culture, I should say, not yeah, not mine or yours, but this culture that we live in. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Neoliberal society we we are in yeah. capitalist. Yeah, and fuck, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened when, when Sam was born, but that there's just so much of this shit, and it doesn't stop, right? No. Like, no. I, I don't understand, and I guess maybe that's just it. I just don't understand. Maybe I'm just too stupid to get it, to get understand why we still do it, yeah. why we still, like, in such a big scale, right? But, I mean, maybe it is a lot simpler than I'm making it out to be. Maybe it is just simply about keeping what we have, yeah and not having to like lose stuff right we we think we're gonna have to lose stuff it's like when people say well we can't give them rights it's like well it's not gonna take any rights away from you who gives a shit like i don't get it you know i just i don't get it but i also don't get why grown people are making fun of kids either you know that are trying to stand up and do things that are good yeah and i i don't know maybe we should just articulate it but when this uh, greta yeah i was gonna go and i was gonna say her name when she came here to see that oh my god and i know you like this on facebook and it was one of the funniest things that i've seen making fun of that and Mm -hmm. it was um seeing so many grown Albertan men triggered by greta thunberg you would think that she raised the price on cocaine in alberta (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was pretty funny. When I seen that, yeah. I, I, I laughed. Well, I still laugh. It's been three days. I've been laughing at that. <laughs> because it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, like sex, drugs, and, um, you know, oil and gas. It's, mm-hmm. That's Alberta summed up in, in like, three subjects. And and for for them to get so upset by her, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it was so gross to watch it's that. Disgusting. So gross yeah. to watch grown people behave yeah. in such a matter because... One little 16-year-old girl had the nerve to come mm-hmm. over here. That was one of my most retweeted tweets because I mm-hmm. said, you know, here she is. She's 16. She has Asperger's. She's a tourist if you really want to look at it. Yeah. And yet they are losing their freaking mind over this girl. She's basically a guest speaker. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I know. And then there was like, you know, people will talk about it like, oh, she's got money. Her parents are wealthy. And I'm like... Who gives a shit? Right. Like, why should we not pay? Wait, you shouldn't pay attention to her because her, her parents are wealthy? Right. Every kid has, well, kids have parents. And sometimes parents have more money than the kid because the kid's 16. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was the most we'll insane it. conversation listening to people try to justify the violence against her. Yeah. But it also shows how acceptable it is to be violent against girls in Alberta. And I, I like, I'm going to wager guess here. everywhere, though. Yeah, in right? North America. I don't think we have any respect for young girls, young kids in particular, but oh, God, girls yes. more specifically. Yeah, I, uh, so, and I'm just going to bring it up the most awful word that you can say in Canada is the C word. I'm looking at my husband wondering if he's going to be like, no, don't say that word. <laughs> but <laughs> Catherine McKenna, her um, campaign office had that word, this uh, C U N. Yeah, that word was spray painted on her campaign office. And um, she ultimately is like the privileged blonde, it, you know, that would represent Canada perfectly. And she, even she had that type of sexism, that mm -hmm. hate, yeah. you know, thrown at her. Because she's a lady. Because she's a woman, yeah. you know, and, uh, and men don't like women being strong on these issues. You know, you're right. You're right. And like, I, I mean, obviously like I get, I'm blessed. I get to hang around some pretty, like, I think enlightened people because sure. most of them are smarter than I am so that I can count them pretty enlightened. Um, but so I don't hear that kind of garbage very often. Sure. But when you're like, when politics comes up, right. And then you start hearing all this stuff from people that you were like, that deep rooted. Yeah. Hate. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, so like gross. I can tell you there's, there's probably, I can count on one hand people that I'm not really looking forward to talking to again. Yeah. Right. After all this stuff. And, totally. and it's not because I want to judge him. I don't want to judge him. That's why I don't want to talk to him. Same. Right. Yeah. Because I want to leave them alone to their own devices and their own, their choices and stuff. But I am so, I'm sorry, man. You have ki kids. We're telling these kids to do stuff. Yeah. And then we're going to shit on these kids when they do stuff. Right. That matters. Right. Yeah. I, I don't get it. You know, something my daughter keeps bringing up that I just, I'm so behind her on, and it's the idea of voting mm -hmm. and the age restriction. Ah. You know, like she just doesn't believe there should be an age restriction, and I'm right behind her. I like, agree. I don't understand why we don't allow kids to vote. I just don't. They I should, yeah. cannot wrap my head around it. She was talking about in her um, school about who won, and mm -hmm. the last one who won was blue, yeah. right? Um, actually, uh, Jagmeet Singh was the winner. Mm -hmm. They liked him the most. Yeah. So, and then my candidate, and then uh, he's and hard then not blue. to like. He's an articulate guy. <sighs> he's so gorgeous. Yeah, and he's he's not bad to look he's at. He's so either. gorgeous. Yeah. I can't even. He's beautiful. Yeah. So, and then when he talks politics, I mean that just makes me so happy. Yeah. I, I bet for you that's he's, like he a, speaks yeah. my politics. So, <laughs> 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 so hard not to love him. So yeah. Anyway, but it was hard because like in my area, like like mentally like using my brain and not my hormones i know red <laughs> is the best winner when it comes to my area yeah. right especially in calgary and alberta so that's where if you were going to talk about vote splitting mm -hmm. um and you were going to talk about uh you know strategic voting always go red but our candidate compared to the other candidate was like superior candidate mm -hmm. as well so i didn't have any hesitation voting red and, yeah. and being in the red side in that but you know, and I can't speak for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I like even in our own family, we had those hard discussions. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't I said it on my podcast today. I don't blame people um, who uh, understand indigenous issues, who understand uh, the gravity of blackface, the um, 
there were so many reasons not to vote for Justin this mm. time that maybe yeah. you would have parked your vote last time. So yeah, yeah, it was yeah hard pill for me to swallow, but but you know, a, here we a, are. It's a hard pill to swallow, I think. Like, Colonial politics sucks. Not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah, like it's you know every once in a while it'll occur to me that maybe like that might be something to do down the road, like to run for something just to try to make a difference in some other way or, or yeah. at all, and then I realize no. How hard this system is to break. Yeah. You know, it's so for And I don't feel like I'm the guy to break it. Like, I just, I, maybe I'm just not into it that much, I guess. Sure. But yeah. maybe you will. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm kind of exhausted now. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and when I first joined the Liberal Party, not only was I annoyed at that, you know, uh, Paul Martin and, and uh, Chrétien camp, mm. but I was also annoyed with this, you know, well, we're we're liberals in Alberta. We'll never get a candidate. And mm -hmm. the most wonderful feeling was in 2015, knowing that we got four elected. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, fuck you and your attitude about we can never elect a liberal because yeah. we did. Yeah. And um, as of today, you know, 2019, mm -hmm. and after an election with blackface and racism and all of that, like, even I'm like, oh. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're ever going to get another liberal elected in Alberta in my generation. And yeah. I don't want to be that person that um, sends that message to a new, fresh, green liberal mm -hmm. that's like, we believe in human rights. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that person that reigns on their parade because I think you need that energy um, in order to move the country forward. And I'm yeah. hoping that there will be enough people to do that now, to mm -hmm. be like, you know, that was a really hard election. Can we do some internal looking mm. at ourselves and make some changes? And can we, like, my hope is always there. But my hope was we would implement 94 calls to action. Mm. My hope always will be that we will implement 231 calls to justice, too. Yeah. So. And I, 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 I think, I know you're tired. I know you must be tired. Yeah. Because you do a lot of stuff. And a lot of the stuff you deal with is traumatic. Sure. Right? And, um, but I hope you don't give up. Yeah, well, I don't think you can because, yeah. like, for me, I always look at my daughter and mm -hmm. think, if I'm not working to make the world better for her, mm -hmm. like, because I look at my parents and I, I know that they had to do survival work mm -hmm. that I know. And so it's hard not to judge the other generations. It's like, you had so much opportunity. Yeah. Why didn't you, you know? But at the same time, you never know until you, you get mm -hmm. there. You know, we fought for that inquiry. And yet, because it was under the Inquiries Act, it was really limited in any accountability and justice. Hmm. And that's a hard pill to swallow. That's something I'm going to have to sleep with the rest of my life, knowing that, yeah, we tried to fight for these families, but under the colonial parameters, they'll never get justice now. Yeah. And that sucks. Uh, that sucks so bad. It sucks hard. And, and, and we're so used to protecting our police and our and our justice system mm. and our systems that like I, there's no one out there that's interested in getting any type of justice for mm. anything and it doesn't have to be just us like there's a million different things people have inquiries mm. for beyond indigenous issues and there will never be justice for them either and and i i can appreciate that that there's other issues like you know there's other groups there's other marginalized populations and stuff i i really do appreciate that there's many right yeah i just the, one of the things that's always bugged me about 
our like the relationship between the colony and the and the indigenous population, whether it be in the states or here, right? The one thing that bugs me the most is that we, somewhere along the line, we must have stopped looking at each other like we're in this together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, we just said fuck it. Yeah. You know, and by we, I'm not talking about me, but whatever, whoever got the Indian Act, whoever made sure that these things were in stone, so that down the road we could still treat Indigenous like they're nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know why we can't just stop doing that and say, okay, look, let's just fucking look to work together. You know what? Today, like today, um, <coughs> there's a huge rise in rural crime and a lot of that is attributed to addiction issues mm-hmm. and i think that it by always othering somebody you can have that justification mm-hmm. today there are farmers all across western canada that want the tories to put forward legislation that makes shoot to kill uh, legislation that people can shoot and kill people on their property trying to steal things is that in the process right now it's in the process in their minds in their minds it is because they keep yeah. bringing it up at all these round tables yeah. and um, what happened with yeah I was just going to bring up that Colton Bushi what yeah. happened to Colton Bushi is that he was uh, point at uh, point blank range killed at the back of his head by a farmer and um, and that farmer was found not guilty of any type of uh, wrongdoing mm-hmm. like it's there already and it, it's going to keep going and it's going to be legislated in stone that it's okay to kill people. And that's not just going to hurt the indigenous people. That's going to hurt uh, people with um, addictions that aren't mm. being properly um, taken care of through our healthcare system yeah. already. So, Jeez. Yeah. So that's going to be like, so that's Saskatchewan? Is all of Saskatchewan? You're allowed to shoot to kill on your property? I know well, that's the way it is in the States. Not by but, law. It's yeah. just that... By what the example of Colton Bushi, mm. that's why that's acceptable. Yeah. Like, and and to bring you back uh, to that really dark place is that uh, basically what they've said with Cindy Gladue uh, here in Alberta mm. that it's perfectly acceptable not just to rape and kill an indigenous sex worker, but to maliciously mutilate her and her sexual organs, and that's a okay according to Alberta standards. So how, how is that? So she went... Um, the fuck did they come by that? Yeah, I know, right? It's it's the, one of the saddest stories. And um, I've done two rallies here in Calgary on this. And, mm. and the reason why is because it's so brutal. And even white women, I wish they understood the gravity of this court case because it will affect them. And basically what the court did was they um, took out this woman's sexual organs to manipulate the conversation about her sexual organs in a court of law and find the defendant not guilty of killing her. Okay, so I want to see if I understand this correctly. So they removed her vagina. Vagina from a dead woman. From a dead woman who bled to death in a bathtub in a hotel. And so why did they remove the vagina? Because they were playing some arguing semantics over whether she was killed by blunt force trauma or whether she was cut by a foreign object. So they played lawyer tactics on her vagina and her family was in the room seeing her vagina on display and two lawyers arguing over how she bled to death. Mm. And he got away with it scot-free. Fuck, it's no wonder people don't like come forward, hey? 
like when they're when it's no wonder women are like stuck not coming forward yeah i was probably raped but i'm not going to say nothing and why would you want to yeah. right like why would yeah, you as want a to? dead indigenous woman it wasn't enough she was dead but then they mutilated her in order to play colonial lawyering Fuck. yeah and now the thing is is that this will affect all white women because there's no reason now why any woman who gets murdered this way, why their sex organs can't be used in a court of law now. Well, you know that if lawyers can do it, they'll do it. They'll do it. Yeah. So they did it with Cindy. Now it's okay to do it to any woman. So it's it's a shame that so-called feminists won't even step up to this one. Like, Are they, Elizabeth, tell, are they saying why they're not going to step up to this one? I just think that, again, when you talk about racial bias, mm-hmm. people don't even realize they have it. Yeah. They othered sex workers. They've othered indigenous. They've mm-hmm. othered so much so that they can let this slide. Yeah. It's easy. They can let this slide. Yeah. We've got some problems now. Oh. You know? Got You're not going to believe this. She was so... Um, so the belief system is, is that he forced her to drink a whole bunch of alcohol mm-hmm. before he performed the sexual act. And she was so intoxicated. Of course, she was passed out. She couldn't consent. Mm -hmm. And he did it anyway. And in the court of law, they argued that because she's native, she consented. Because she was a drunk native. Shut up. Not joking. This isn't even kind of That's in the transcript. It's like in in their words of how they talked about that, how natives, because she already had alcoholism, she had a higher threshold for alcohol. Therefore, her consent means somehow differently than if it would have been a white woman. That's mm. that's what that means. Because her alcoholism was so high. I don't even have any words. It's the most disgusting case I've ever heard. And then Colton Bushi, what has happened with him, is one of the most disgusting cases I've ever heard. Totally socially acceptable. Nobody gives a fuck about indigenous people. Because if they did, they'd lose it on these two. Mm. But the reason why it upsets me so much is I think of when Laurent... Loretta Saunders was outed as an indigenous woman, how the media went silent Mm -hmm. and allowed her to be othered so that when her dead body showed up, it was the only time they would cover it. And I think of my daughter Mm -hmm. and how she fits in this world in a Canada that would never accept her. I talk about moving out of this country all the time because I feel that sadly we would be safer somewhere else than in Canada or North America. Well, I, I, I think you might be right. Yeah. Like, I, I do. I don't want to admit it. Like, I hate saying that out loud, right? Yeah. But it, it, it's like, over and over again, we're proving, and, and we're, we're being proven, having it proven to us, yep. that nobody gives a fuck, right? Yeah. That there's this, like, and, and, even, and even the Trudeaus of the world who say they give a fuck, yeah. act as though they don't give a fuck. Well, they are the ones who perpetrate the violence against Jody Wilson-Rainbow and Sheila Copps. I called her out on International uh, Women's Day mm-hmm. of the violence that she was going against in um, Jody Wilson-Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And there's just not a connection with Canadians, even the ones who think they're progressive. Yeah. That that is violence against Indigenous women. So, Jeez. Yeah. What time are we at, man? Hour and a half. We should probably... Okay, yeah. yeah. We, I could talk to you all night. Like, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I get the impression you might be sick. You might have a cold. I do well. have a cold, but, you Are know. Are you okay? I'm good. Okay. It's just that we're an hour and a half in, and I know that's, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's good time. a good show. That's a really that, good show. Right? And yeah. 
Yeah, we could keep talking. Well, next time we'll have to figure out what we're going to talk about. Yeah, no, I... Because we came into this and an hour and a half later, we're still talking. I know. I love it. <laughs> but that's how I knew it was going to be great. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate your, your time and your expertise on politics, but also on the um, missing and murdered Indigenous women. Thank um, you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Uh, it, are there... Can we put, like, links up for the missing and... Oh, man, I can't even say it anymore. I'm we'll so put tired. up the inquiry report, the 231 calls to justice, yeah. and I just ask anyone who's listening who made it this far, please consider reading them. Yeah, please, please consider them. it. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's just so much more we got to do. Yeah, right. We 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 can't rest on our laurels, man, and we can't. Well, and I also want to say because there's probably predominantly non-indigenous people listening. Mm. Um, you are all welcome to march with us on October 4th. It's like our Remembrance Day for all of the families affected by missing and murdered. Mm-hmm. All of them. We we try to honor those voices on October 4th. October 4th. Yep. Okay, I'm going to put it in my calendar because I'm not going to miss it. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for, for bringing that to our attention and also just for sharing yourself so openly. Oh, anytime. Easy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts.